an uneasy feeling that you are not alone. Don't worry. It's just a ghost. A shout out to Tia Mayhem and Tanya Venom of Stormstress for providing the incredible intro music for this podcast. This is our first October 2020 bonus episode. So this is episode 40 of It's Just a Ghost. I am your host, Mary Jensen. Please remember to email me the horror movie line that appears in this episode and include what horror movie it was set in for a chance to win the 11 by 14 Scream art print by Tenebrific Acrylics. The winner will be drawn right here on the Halloween episode on Halloween. Just remember the contest line in this episode is not from any of the Halloween movies. Email your answer to it's just a ghost podcast at yahoo.com. Now there is something unsettling about masks, don't you agree? I mean, you have no idea who or what is behind the mask. I guess that's why so many people are afraid of clowns. And it's funny though, because clowns don't scare me at all. But masks in horror movies scare the hell out of me. The scariest mask in my opinion is that of Michael Myers in the Halloween movies. The first John Carpenter one that came out in 1978 was the best. As much as it scares the hell out of me, I still watch it every year. Why is that? What draws people to horror flicks? You know you are going to be terrified afterwards. You know this, but you make the popcorn, turn down the lights, and watch. The first time I watched the original Halloween, the first one from 1978, I was 12. Yeah, I just figured that out. When I think back, I feel like I was younger, like maybe 8 or 10, and that's how feverishly tormented I was afterwards. I mean, for days, weeks, hell, Michael Myers still occasionally creeps into my Halloween nightmares. I have watched most of the John Carpenter Halloween movies, but the first one, well, it made an impact on my psyche. I have not watched any of the Rob Zombie remakes, and I don't intend to. I'm not saying they aren't any good or anything like that. I have friends who have watched them, and they said they were okay, but we are from the generation where the original classics are what really get to us. Anyway, I'm rambling here. I will leave the Rob Zombie Halloween movies to the younger folks out there. On this episode, in case you haven't figured it out, I will be discussing the Halloween movies because they are the scariest movies I've ever seen. Well, except for The Exorcist. I have never been able to watch that one all the way through. I simply can't deal with possession. I did interview Linda Blair, who played Little Reagan in The Exorcist. We'll get to that in another episode. Oh, sorry, I got sidetracked again. My co-ghost for this episode is, well... I don't have one, so I am the host and the co-ghost. So the year is 1978, and the very first Halloween film has just hit the theaters. On a cold Halloween night in 1963, six-year-old Michael Myers, played by Will Sandin, brutally murders his 17-year-old sister Judith. He was sentenced and locked away for 15 years, but on October 30th, 1978, while being transferred for a court date, a 21-year-old Michael Myers steals a car and escapes Smith 
Grove Sanitarium. He returns to his quiet hometown of Haddonfield, Illinois, where he looks for his next victims. Written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill, and directed by John Carpenter, this low-budget independent slasher film scared the hell out of me, and it still does. With a budget of $325,000, I thought the directing was amazing. The scene where they show adult Michael Myers in low light, standing partially behind a tree, you could hear him breathing. It sent chills down my spine. In the original Halloween, the adult Michael Myers, referred to as a shape in the closing credits, was portrayed by Nick Castle for most of the film with Tony Moran and Tommy Lee Wallace substituting in the final scenes. Another scene that really freaked me out is where Myers lifts his victim up by the throat with one hand and stabs him completely through his torso, pinning him to the wall with a knife. And as if that wasn't scary enough, Myers then backs away and tilts his head to the right while staring at what he had done. Somehow that makes it even more creepy to me. That scene really is chilling. Throughout the film, Meyer's sister, Laurie Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, is one tough cookie, and she fights him tooth and nail in the final scenes. Myers comes in the house where she is babysitting two kids, and Laurie sends a boy off to get help, and I believe the little girl is hiding. I think that's what she, yeah, I think I remember she was hiding. And Myers terrorizes Laurie and stabs her in the arm. She stabs him in the temple with a knitting needle, and he drops a knife. She picks up the knife. He falls on the floor. She tosses the knife on the floor away from him. But he gets up, and she runs upstairs. And now, like most horror movies, not very smart, why didn't she just run out the door? It was right there, and guess what? It was even open. She wouldn't have even had to open the door, just run out the door. Another one of the most frightening scenes to me is the closet scene. So Lori runs upstairs, of course, instead of going out the door, and she hides in the closet, securing it closed behind her. Now, of course, he gets in. Lori takes a coat hanger and stabs him in the eye. He drops the knife. Lori picks it up and stabs him in the chest. Amazing, he is still alive. In the very last scene, Dr. Loomis, Michael's psychiatrist, played by Donald Pleasance, comes in the house and runs upstairs. Loomis somehow gets in front of Myers and shoots him several times, sending him over the rail of the upstairs balcony. They show Myers lying on his back on the grass. Strode asks Loomis if that was the boogeyman. Loomis says, I believe it was. Slowly, Loomis walks to the edge of the balcony and looks over, but, again, surprise, Myers is gone. Then the original theme music, written by John Carpenter, plays in the credits roll. So there have been 10 additional Halloween movies since the premiere, including the three Rob Zombie remakes. So Halloween 2 came out in 1981, after failing to kill stubborn survivor Laurie Strode, Jamie Lee Curtis, and taking a bullet or six from former psychiatrist Dr. Sam Loomis, Donald Pleasance, Michael Myers, played by Dick Warlock, has followed Laurie to the Haddonfield Memorial Hospital, where she's been admitted for Myers' attempt on her life. 
the institution proves to be particularly suited to serial killers as michael cuts stabs and slashes his way to allow hospital staff to reach his favorite victim so part two starts right where the first film ends and it opens showing michael getting shot from the first movie and lying on the ground to him not being there and then it starts getting into the part two and I thought that was clever given that this film was released three years later and it sort of reminds you that yeah Michael was shot but guess what he is back and he is not a happy camper he plans on finishing what he started and that is why he follows Laurie to the hospital now the first time I saw this I was thinking why would Michael go there rather than just taking over from where he left off? It would have been way more convenient for him to just continue terrorizing right where he was. But then we learn that Laurie Strode is actually Michael's younger sister. So she was born a few years after Michael murdered his older sister, Judy. So shortly after that, the parents were killed in a car crash and Laurie was adopted by the Strodes. Now, how Michael knew or found out about all of this remains a mystery. I mean, after little Michael Myers slaughtered his sister, Judith, he spent 15 years in a sanitarium and not speaking and not responding. Well, he was basically catatonic, but somehow he knew right where to go and he knew how to drive the car that got him there. That shows you just how amazing Michael Myers is. He is seemingly invincible and knows things while being totally out of it. So Rick Rosenthal directed this time, which I think was a huge mistake. I mean, the directing in the first film is what helped it make it so spooky. I mean, the actors do what they are told to do, so when Michael tilted his head to the side, the creepy breathing and the idea of Michael putting the sheet over him with Bob's glasses after he kills him was brilliant. I mean, that was really creepy. So when he goes upstairs to kill Bob's girlfriend, Linda, Linda thinks it is Bob trying to scare her. That is with the direction of John Carpenter. I mean, the first Halloween to me feels so Alfred Hitchcock-like. The simple but extremely effective scenes, along with very low lighting, made it absolutely terrifying. In this film, Rosenthal refused to take the advice of Carpenter, and he did his own thing. And to me, that was not a smart move. And they had a bigger budget for this, so they could do a lot more, where with almost any other film would be a good thing. But, like I said, this is just my opinion. The low lighting and simple but effective scenes made it seem more real, therefore more terrifying. And I'm not saying I didn't like this film. I didn't love it. I did enjoy it, but it did not terrify me like the first film. I was expecting the same from Myers, but I did not get that. So that was released October 30th, 1981. And now you have Halloween 3 comes out, Season of the Witch came out in 1982 so that was only a year after the last one but this is the only Halloween movie that does not include Michael Myers I'm not sure that this Halloween has anything to do with the others in fact it does not and that was disappointing as I was thinking yay only one year later and we get more Halloween cinema but nope 
In this movie, Hospital Emergency Room, Dr. Daniel Chalice, played by Tom Mackins, and Ellie Grimmage, Stacy Nelkin, the daughter of a murder victim, uncover a terrible plot by a small town mask maker, Connell Cochran, played by Dan O'Harahy, a madman who's planning a Halloween mass murder utilizing an ancient Celtic ritual. The ritual involves a boulder stolen from Stonehenge, the use of silver shamrock masks, and a triggering device contained in a television commercial, all designed to kill millions of children. I remember I didn't even watch the whole film. The second I realized that it had nothing to do with Michael Myers or the other Halloween movies, Maury Strode, I was done with that. So then, seven years later, when you are convinced that the Halloween franchise is now over and Michael must have actually died at the end of the sequel in the explosion, he was on fire, after all. And then comes, dun dun dun, Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers. So that's in 1988. The apparently comatose Michael Myers, now played by George P. Wilbur, is being transferred from one hospital to another, but he wakes up when the ambulance crew talks about his surviving niece, Jamie, played by Danielle Harris. After slaughtering his attendants, Myers sets out to find his one living relative, who is being cared for by a kind and resourceful foster sister named Rachel, played by Ellie Cornell. Meanwhile, the ever-cautious Dr. Loomis, still played by Donald Pleasance, remains on the killer's path. So Michael was in a coma for many years after the fire, but apparently after hearing that he has a living relative, he pops right up and has the strength to kill the ambulance attendants. His niece Jamie is the daughter of Laurie Strode, who has presumably died after Michael stabbed her and threw her off a building in Halloween 2. Now, at the end of this movie, they want you to believe that Michael is dead. Does that seem familiar? Like, maybe there is a trend going on here? Only this time, before Michael, air quotes, dies, it appears that when he touches hands with Jamie, his evil is somehow transferred to her, giving him permission to die. I guess the director, this time Dwight H. Little, is trying to convey that Michael can now rest in peace because he knows he has given his niece the ability to continue where he left off. I mean that you know that is what he wanted us to think and he did have Jamie actually killing people in this movie so that was he actually pulled that off I guess. I don't really think I saw that one. I don't recall it. But now we're on to Halloween 5, so now The Revenge of Michael Myers, 1989. So that's only a year later. After lying in a coma for a year, Michael Myers, played now by Donald Shanks, awakens and stalks his way back to his small hometown in Illinois, intent on killing his niece, Jamie who is still Danielle Harris, who has been confined to a mental institution since Michael's last attempt to slay her. Suspecting a psychic link between Michael and Jamie, psychiatrist Dr. Sam Lewis, Donald Pleasance, joins forces with Sheriff Ben Meeker, played by Bo Starr, and attempts to stop Michael's latest rampage. 
I didn't watch that one either. I just think, for me, horror movies or movies in general, for the most part, after there's one or two of them, especially like slasher movies, just, it seems like they're worn out to me. So I don't usually continue watching them. So I didn't watch that one either. Or this one coming up, Halloween, The Curse of Michael Myers. That was 1995. So this installment marks the return of the seemingly indestructible masked murderer, Michael Myers, played by George P. Wilbur, who is targeting Tommy Doyle, played by Paul Stephen Rudd, a young man tied into the legacy of the killer and his connections with the Strode family. So yeah, Tommy Doyle was a little boy from the very first movie, the 1978 film, and he was a little boy that Laurie Strode was babysitting when Michael came after her the first time. And he's the one that ran out the door to go get help. As the supernatural elements of Michael's macabre abilities are explored, his longtime adversary, Dr. Sam Loomis, still Donald Pleasance, is also back in yet another attempt to stop the psychopath's brutal rampage. Whoa. He is, really is indestructible. Um, like I said, I didn't see that one. That was released September 29, 1995. And now Halloween H20, 20 years later. I did watch this one. And the reason I watched this one is because Jamie Lee Curtis is in it. So she was only in the first two and then this one. And to me, her and Michael Myers make the movie and that's why I decided to watch it. So Halloween H2O 20 years later, two decades after surviving a massacre on October 31st, 1978, former babysitter Lori Strode, played by Jamie Lee Curtis, finds herself hunted by persistent knife wielder Michael Myers. Lori now lives in Northern California under an assumed name where she works as a headmistress of a private school. But it's not far enough to escape Myers, who soon discovers her whereabouts. Again, how did he find that out, I wonder? As Halloween, you're gonna need a bigger boat, descends upon Lori's peaceful community. A feeling of dread weighs upon her, with good reason. I know I mentioned this earlier, that Lori is also Michael's younger sister, and we discover that in the second movie in this series. I really love that movie, and make sure to tune in um, for the actual Halloween Day episode, because I have a little story I wrote um, about a scene in that movie that might be interesting to you, so check it out on Halloween on the podcast. The next movie is Halloween Resurrection, came out in 2002. The original house of horrors, the dilapidated home of infamous serial killer Michael Myers has now become the set of a webcam reality show. But when the veteran slasher discovers that a group of university students has taken over his old killing grounds, he decides it's time to bring the blades out of retirement. I did not see that one either. Um, might be good. I don't know. So that one came out July 12th, 2002. And now we're on to the Rob Zombie remakes. So Halloween, 
that he remade 2007, killing his stepfather and old assistant Michael Myers, played by Tyler Maine, breaks out, intent on returning to the town of Haddonfield, Illinois. He arrives in his hometown on Halloween with the indomitable purpose of hunting down his younger sister, Lori Strode, played by Scout Taylor Compton. The only thing standing between Michael and a Halloween night of bloody carnage is psychologist Dr. Samuel Loomis, played by Malcolm McDowell. So working on Carpenter's advice to make this film his own, Zombie chose to develop the film as both an original story and a remake, allowing for more original content than simply refilming the same scenes. Now Rob Zombie's Halloween 2, which came out 2009. So yeah, he had Michael murdering the whole family rather than just the older sister like in Carpenter's version. Okay, so Halloween 2, 2009, a year after narrowly escaping death at the hands of Michael Myers, again played by Tyler Maine, Laurie Strode is at the breaking point, pushed to the edge by Dr. Loomis, Malcolm McDowell, revelation that she's Michael's sister. Little does she know, the unstoppable killer is back in Haddonfield and, driven by visions of their dead mother, played by Sherry Moon Zombie, he is determined to bring about a bloody family reunion. Yeah, that's another reason I'm really not interested in watching the Rob Zombie versions. I hear there is a lot of gore and blood in him. And I like the Carpenter ones because there isn't a lot of that. But you know it's there. The way it's filmed, you know you know there's a lot of blood and everything but you don't actually see it it's more of like suspense and psychological thriller that way so that's why I prefer the Carpenter versions so for Halloween 2 Zombie decided to focus more on the connection between Laurie and Michael and the idea that they share similar psychological problems Zombie wanted the sequel to be more realistic and violent than its 2007 predecessor for the characters of Halloween 2, it is about to change. Zombie wanted to look at how the events of the first film affected the characters. Zombie also wanted to provide a glimpse into each character's psyche. Filming primarily took place in Georgia, which provided Zombie with a tax incentive as well as a visual look the director was going for with the film. When it came time to provide a musical score, Zombie had trouble finding a place to include John Carpenter's original Halloween theme music. Although Carpenter's theme was used throughout Zombie's remake, the theme was only included in the final shot of the film. You have one more by Rob Zombie. It is a direct sequel to Halloween 1978. So it's Halloween, came out 2018. And it's been 40 years since Laurie Strode survived a vicious attack from craze killer Michael Myers on Halloween night. Locked up in an institution, Myers manages to escape when his bus transfer goes horribly wrong. Laurie now faces a terrifying showdown when the masked madman returns to Haddonfield, Illinois. But this time she's ready for him.
So there are all the Halloween movies outlined. And if you need a good scare, I suggest you watch the 1978 John Carpenter debut. Even if you've seen it before, it's a classic that should be rewatched each October. Also, please remember to email me the horror movie line that appeared in this episode and include what horror movie it was set in for a chance to win the 11 by 14 Scream art print by Tenebrific Acrylics. The winner will be drawn right here on Halloween. Just remember the contest line in this episode is not from any of the Halloween movies. Email your answers to It's Just a Ghost Podcast at yahoo.com for all of the contest rules and details for both of the contests running this October, you can visit the website at itsjustaghostpodcast.com and click on the contest tab from the drop-down menu. Credits for this episode are as follows. From Free Sound Music, Halloween 1, provided by Phylax. Dark Ambient Music, provided by Xanco123. And then from the original Halloween, the Night He Came Home soundtrack, partial recording from the Halloween theme track, and partial recording from Laurie's theme track. From the Halloween Original Motion Picture Soundtrack from the 2007 film, partial recording of the Halloween main theme. Dr. Samuel Loomis's quote and the Boogeyman is going to get you quote are from the 1978 Halloween debut film from the podcast now playing the Halloween movie retrospective. If you would like an even more detailed account, as well as an in-depth review of all of the original Halloween movies. Check them out wherever you listen to your podcast.